Hey y'all, it's 1.40 a.m. I don't be sleeping anymore. My sleeping patterns are like terrible. They're so terrible. I'm just reading my word here. So I thought I would turn on the mic as I read in case I get any nuggets. Well, of course I'm gonna get nuggets when you always get nuggets when you read the word. But anything that would be useful for the podcast so yeah the mic is on let me get my sanctuary ready because you gotta have a sanctuary when you study the word i like to study the word with music personally i have a google home mini so it 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 helps me i listen to music as i read the word i don't get distracted some people get distracted when they listen to music and read the word but i have to i can't read the word silent like it just it's not gonna work for me so my prayer pray my pray ooh, tongue twister my prayer playlist on spotify i listen to every single day i don't get tired of the songs i listen to it every single day when i'm reading my word so yeah, you can follow me on Spotify. You can add the playlist. It might help you too. So I'm going to just shuffle it and connect it to the um, home mini. You know, in Matthew 8, where the man with leprosy comes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. I've always found it so interesting. The fact that the man would go to Jesus and say, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Like, uh, I remember the first time I got the revelation of it. I was so blown away. Like, the man believes in the power of Jesus. He knows. He says, if you are willing, you can heal me. So he's acknowledging that Jesus has the power. Even though he has leprosy, which is probably the worst disease of that time. Equivalent to what we would consider probably cancer today. He goes to the person that can heal him and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He's not begging. He's not asking. He's not demanding. He's concerned with the will of the Lord. Even in the worst state of his life, he's more concerned about God's will. What excuse do we really have? That's what I was talking about yesterday. Like, literally. We make the the decision to follow Christ. It's no longer about our wants or our needs. It's about His will. So even though He needed more than anything, healing, He was more concerned with the will of God. If it was not His will to heal him and make him clean, then He would go on His way, still sick, still infected, still um, with leprosy. That's so amazing. Like crazy you know the story of jesus on the boat is also very interesting you know um it's in matthew 8 it probably starts from like 24 let me let me see it starts from verse 23 when jesus calms the storm disciples you know they're wilding out because the storm is raging and then he's sleeping they wake him up and he says Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he gets up, rebukes the winds and waves, and it's calm. And the disciples are asking, who is this man? How is it that the disciples that were walking with him, they followed him around. He was teaching them the most. His inner circle, his core team, are amazed and are scolded for having little faith. When literally in the chapter before, no, not even the chapter before, sorry, the same chapter, a couple verses before, Jesus himself is amazed by the faith of a Roman officer. A Roman officer that is supposed to be opposing him has more faith than the people that were with him, walking with him every day, that the people that he was pouring his very self into, the people that he was invested in the most, have less faith than the person opposing them. How can that be? How can that be? <laughs> it's so crazy. That's literally a life lesson. Like, literally the people that are closest to you sometimes have less faith in you than the people that oppose you. And 
that actually describes and explains why people oppose us. The people that oppose you believe in your sauce. They actually trust your sauce. They actually trust in your yay. That's why they oppose you. They know that what you have is legit, that it's authentic. And they know that if you bang, <laughs> if you make it to the top, you will stay there because what you have, again, is legit, is authentic. The people that oppose you actually, they trust, like they actually believe in your sauce. That's why they oppose you. They're mad because they know what you have works. They know that it's good. And the people that literally can be the closest to you have less faith. That's so crazy. The irony of life. I'm just reading it like, oh, what's wrong with these guys? Literally, the Roman officer is telling Jesus, don't even come to my house. You can heal from here. And these guys were on the boat, the same Jesus who was casting out demons, who was healing the sick, who was healing someone with leprosy, who was healing a servant from a distance. He healed someone without even being there. The guy was in his house and Jesus was walking the streets and he was able to heal. And you're walking and you're on the boat with Jesus who is sleeping and you're worried. Someone that you're with every single day. We got to do better. That's literally how some of us acts how some of us behave as believers or we do some pick and choose faith and be so close to god so close to him in church serving claim that we know no know god so much everybody knows us as christians that's our label that's the title we carry but our faith is like that of the disciples shaky it's whack I'm packing and I'm not packing makeup because for the month of December, well, the duration, well, pretty much the whole month, I think I already wore makeup one time. I'm not wearing makeup. Um, yeah, I'm trying to give my skin a break. I, I often do this. I remember there was a time where I could not leave my house without makeup, but now I often do this. I'm trying to give my skin a break to rejuvenate. Everything is going through this renewal process, this rejuvenation process, even my skin. So that's what I'm doing. I mean, you can hop on if you if you want. I think it's important to one, give your skin a break just to relax, let it relax, but also be comfortable enough to know that, hey, I'm not wearing makeup. I don't even know what I'm gonna meet in um, Toronto. I may have to go to like a gala with no makeup. Oh well, <laughs> like, Actually, there's there's something beautiful about just being content with what you have. Contentment, contentment, that is like an important thing that so many people overlook in this world, especially even Christians, actually, especially Christians in the world and with all the motivational speakers and everybody trying to get you to grow and glow and be the best version of yourself which is all good things it's important to be the best version of yourself of course you want to be but it's so easy to lose contentment sometimes you'll be so focused on trying to elevate trying to be better trying to do again these are good things trying to elevate trying to be better trying to be the best best version of yourself but also learn how to be content learn how to be happy where you're at learn how to be happy with what you've got even though i i, I want to be better and i'm trying to be better and i'm always striving for more i'm still happy with what i am got it's being content with the current whilst working on the future that's so important i feel like people don't think about that enough everyone's always hustling and bustling to be better to do more to make more to grow to do all this stuff again all good things but like do you ever just stop and say wow thank you god for where i'm at thank you god for the things i don't have yet Thank you, God, I did not get that job. Thank you, God, I did not get that promotion. Because I'm still supposed to be where I'm at. Because I'm still learning where I'm at. Because I know that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. So even though something doesn't make sense to me, even though I'm disappointed, even though I wish and feel like I should be further, you who knows me best knows that I should be right here. So thank you, God, for being so mindful of me. That you make sure that everything I do in every season, that every one of my steps is ordered thank you god that everything is a setup even things that look like disappointments even things that look like failure 
are actually a setup. You're positioning me for the next season. You're positioning me for purpose. Thank you, God, for positioning me for purpose. This is how my mornings usually look. I just, like, reflect. Thank God. This is how I do my morning devotion. My relationship with God is really weird. I don't do, like, the really standard kneel down at the end of your bed. Father, I thank you for this day that you have made. I thank you for another chance at life. I don't do all of that, like, scripted stuff, or else I would be doing that every day for the rest of my life. That's really boring. So it changes. Someday I wake up with a song in my spirit. Literally, I wake up, I can hear a song, or I'm humming a song in my head as I'm in the bathroom or whatever, be it. And I know that's the song of the day or the song of the moment. That's the song of heaven, and I start playing that song. Play it on repeat. Play it on repeat. Sometimes I just worship. Sometimes as I'm worshiping, I'll pray in tongues. Sometimes I'll cry. Sometimes I'll lay down. Sometimes I'll lay down in silence and just listen to the song and say nothing. I don't believe that prayer is just the words that come out of your mouth. I believe that prayer is a posture of your heart. So you don't necessarily have to say when you're praying. I believe that the posture of your heart is the prayer. And then we speak the words as an act of faith to communicate. Because that's, that's what we do in the Bible. We speak, we speak everything. We speak for salvation. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth for salvation. If you say to a mountain, if you believe that a mountain will move and then you say to the mountain move, it'll move. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, so you have to have the faith first. And then when you speak to it, then it'll it'll move. So the formula for faith or the formula for belief in the Bible seems to be believe, then speak. First you accept in your heart and you are at a place where no one can convince you otherwise, then you speak. So that's the same thing for me with prayer. That's my revelation. You don't have to follow it. I believe in my heart everything. I agree in my heart. The posture of my heart exists. And then we speak by praying it out. So, yeah, that's what, that's what I do in the morning. My voice is still groggy. I hope it goes away soon. Okay, it's 10 o'clock. I'm going to pack quickly so that when I come back, I don't have much to do. I'm a procrastinator. There's church tonight. So, hopefully I can make it. I don't think I will, though, because I'm mad tired and I have so much to do. I wish I could, but... Near the end of the year, my church attendance is actually very sparse because, honestly, I wish I had an an excuse, but I don't. I want to spend time with my family. (laughs) I want to spend time with my family. I do ministry, hardcore, throughout the year, serving in church, always is number one, before anything. Like, sassy and save what? Serving in church is always number one. So I do that constantly and consistently throughout the year. And then I do Sassy and Save on the side as well. Not on the side, that sounds bad. Simultaneously as well. So a major part of my life is committed to people and to ministry, which I love. That is what I'm called to do and that is what I do. But at the end of the year is when I kind of do a sabbatical and I decide that, hey, I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to spend time with my family. And that's what I do. So I spend time with my family at the end of the year. So I'm not in church as much as I could be or should be, I guess. But you know where my heart is. It's not about just going to church, eh? And that's 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 what so many people need to understand. I feel like so many Christians... They're still in the place and they're still in the mindset that the works of God is what saved them. Serving in church, going to church, that doesn't do nothing for God. When you go to church, it doesn't increase God's intelligence. It doesn't make him stronger. It doesn't renew his revelation of him. It does nothing for God when you go to church. Going to church, serving in church, everything that we do physically in the christian body is not for god it's for us it's for us it's for us so that's why we encourage well i mean good people encourage you to take a break when you need a break obviously taking a break is different than walking away but 
if you need a break, you need a break, and that's okay. Especially when it's for a reason, like self-care and being with your family. I live in Ottawa, so I don't get to see my family often. So I'm really excited when I get to go home and just spend time with them and be around them. So, yeah. All that to say, my church attendance is sparring. I'm not, my church family is not going to see me till January, probably. Oh, no, December 31st at our crossover service. And that's okay. A few moments later. Podmas day two. I think, I think I have beef with, um, I think I have beef with the disciples. They're not as lit as, as we give them credit to be. You know that thing that I was reading yesterday, I told you, um, that thing that I was reading, I've been thinking about it all day, like, literally, like I said, a couple verses before, a Roman soldier recognizes who Jesus is, and the people that walk with him each and every day, they don't. And not even that, like, even just thinking about it all day, like... Just for little, little stuff. Like, they're walking with Jesus. They're watching him. They're watching what he does. They should be learning from him because iron sharpens iron. When you have a crew, when you have friends, you learn from them, right? They've seen him heal the sick. They've seen him cast out demons. They've seen him do all these things. And a group of them could not cast out a demon. A group of them, not even one. If it was one-on-one, we might say, okay, like, you know, dang. He's still learning. But a group of them cannot cast out a demon. And they would have to go and ask Jesus for help. Then he says, this kind comes out by fasting and praying. So hold on. They weren't fasting and praying? (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) No, think about it, guys. This This kind comes out by fasting and praying. So wait. The whole time, they weren't fasting and praying? Because in the word, it shows us that Jesus fasted. It shows us that he would retreat to pray. Mans were not fasting and praying. They were just following him. I I think I have beef with the disciples. I think mm, I don't think they're that lit. We've been bamboozled. So there's that for Podmas Day Two. Um, I just I don't understand. And I mean, we should have known that they they weren't praying because really. When Jesus went to go pray in Gethsemane, man fell asleep. So, all I'm saying is, I think we should study the disciples well, well, before we start giving them accolades. Granted, when Jesus left, they they held it down. But when he was there, whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Don't be a disciple when he was there. I saw a post on Instagram. Um, my friend sent me a post on Instagram earlier about um from who posted it? LeBriant, LeBriant friend, LeBriant uh, friend. I don't know. Why I can't speak. LeBriant friend posted a post about um sexmas basically. You know, there's vlogmas, there's now podmas, and there's sexmas <laughs> because. He was like challenging people for the next 12 days. I don't think he was the one that originated it. Let me see if I can pull it up. He wasn't the one that came up with it, but he was challenging married couples, keyword married couples, to um, basically have sex for the next 12 days. Yeah, it's a challenge for married couples. And it's just to help you guys, like, connect. Hold on, I'm on the actual person's page. Her Instagram is Jichelle, Jichelle Gray. 
And she's like, it's that time of year again. Wives, remember, initiating sexual intimacy communicates to your husband that he is desirable and wanted by you. They need to know that they do it for us too. So be your spouse's favorite gift this year. The gift that keeps on giving. So yeah, basically, you as a wife are supposed to initiate sex for 12 days. So yeah, basically you as a wife or as the woman, yeah, as a wife, no, not as the woman. Let me not say that because it's for married couples. The wife is supposed to initiate um, sex for 12 days in the relationship, um, in the marriage, sorry. So yeah, Sexmas, Sexmas 2019. I think it can be really, really beneficial because I know like for myself personally, I'm not really good at expressing myself. Like, I can really rock with someone so much. I can like you so much, appreciate you so much, but I don't, I guess, I guess I'm not really good at um, expressing that to you. So you may not know that, or I'm not good at communicating that to you. Like, in my mind and in my heart, I respect you. I love you. I rock with you. Like, I really, really, like, you're my dog, but I guess it doesn't show out in my accents or in my actions or show out in my words i'm not really that expressive i'm also not really super affectionate so like you wouldn't know until i tell you so me like you have to take what i say literally like when i say something that is how i feel you can't read into my actions or emotions or waiting to see that it's literally what I say. Like, the message that I send you on your birthday, that is from my heart. That is how I feel. <laughs> Other than that, you won't know from my actions. Or I'm not I'm not good at expressing myself or expressing, uh, expressing emotion through actions. I express emotion through words. So you have to listen to what I say to know how I feel. So I think it's really, really dope that... Um, that that challenge is happening and that the wife is the one doing it because I feel like yeah like traditionally it's the man that will just tap you on the shoulder and you know what's good so to have the wife do that to let the men feel wanted and valued as well is very important um that is something that I fail to do a lot I fail to let men know how I feel about them or, or to correctly communicate how I feel about them and so they feel or they find themselves left in the dark. Does she really like me? Does she not? Is she really with me? Is she not? Is she down with me forever? Is she not? Because I have that um, that problem. That's something that I'm working on. Something that I'm working on with my friends as well. Because I just find myself like just really lacking and being able to express. And that's an area that I really notice that I need to work on. Just being able to express my emotions to people. And effective communication is not only what you say or what you try to get across, but how you receive it. The communication isn't effective until the person receives what you're saying. So if I am yelling at someone to tell them to stop like if i'm yelling at my dog hershey to tell him to stop peeing on the floor when i was training him at first we would just yell at him yell at him hershey don't do it don't do it yelling at him to stop peeing on the floor he would get scared he would shake he would put his ears back because he doesn't know why i'm yelling at him but then he'd pee on the floor the next day that is not effective communication and also even well you know the bible says spare the rod spoil the child but you know it's emerged recently that spanking is not an effective way to to change your child's behavior because you're spanking them you're doing this and you're spanking them to tell them that you don't like what they're doing but they do it again so it's not effective communication but what we learned with Hershey when training him is that not yelling at him is going to help it, but showing him where he should go instead and rewarding him when he does it correctly. And so in doing that, I was able to train him to be potty trained, which he is now, to go outside. He knows that he can go outside and he'll be rewarded. Now he doesn't need to be rewarded. He just knows that's where he's supposed to go. But that is effective communication, not simply what you say, but how the person receives it. And if the person receives it in the way that you intended the message to be sent, then it's effective. If they receive it in a different way, it's still not effective. So if I come up to you, well, not you, but if I go up to a, a boyfriend, if I go up to my boyfriend and I decide I'm going to kiss him on the cheek and he receives it as ew, 
it's not effective communication. That may be a sign of affection from me, but like for you receiving it, it like things like that. That's the type of, but from him receiving it, he didn't receive it as it was. So it's not effective communication. So yeah, that's been a challenge for me. All that to say, it's been a challenge for me, something that I'm trying to work on to adequately express myself, express my emotions, and to really communicate my feelings to people that are in my life, to give people their flowers while they're alive, like, and not when they're dead, to send appreciation messages to send thank you messages and I know that for me it's through words I'm not really good at emotions but I'm trying to use my words more not just waiting till holidays and not just waiting till birthdays but just random um, acts of appreciation and random words of appreciation now with that being said because that's how I express myself that's also how I receive love and so someone may try to appreciate me with gifts or with quality times or with touching or whatever but I don't receive it that way that might just bother me I want to hear the words as well so when you love someone be it a platonic relationship romantic friend or a partner it's not simply loving a person the way you want to be loved, but how they receive love. And that's something that I've really, really learned to do. That I have to not just give love how I receive it or how I want to be loved. I can't just give you words of appreciation. I can't just give you words of affirmation. I can't just express myself to my friends and to my partner with words. I have to study them and figure out how they receive love and give it to them in that way. And that's why we do things like the love language test. The love language test allows us to understand how people receive love so that you can love them the way they need to be loved, not the way that you simply do it. And if you decide you want to love people just the way that you know how to show love, then you're not making the decision to love them because they'll never receive the love that you have to give. You will be doing the most speaking words of affirmation to someone that just wants your time or you'll be doing the most doing acts of service to somebody that really just needs a touch like you do those things so that you can learn how to love them and that's why love is a decision when you decide that I'm going to love you when you decide that this is a person that I want to be my friend I want to do life with and love languages is not just romantic it's platonic too if you decide that this is my friend and you discover how they receive love and how they receive appreciation and how they receive all those things you then make the decision that's why love is a decision to love them in that way and you're going out of your character out of your comfort zone and out of your norm to show them that type of love that is the decision that you make when you decide to love someone and that's why the friend the term friend should not be thrown so loosely and that's why relationship is important relationship is covenant you have the choice to choose who you enter into a relationship with because it carries so much you're not supposed to just treat your friends anyhow. You're not supposed to just treat your partner anyhow. And that's something that I'm really learning in this season. And I feel like it's just it's just opened my eyes and it's made me value. It's made me value people so much more and made me intentional about building build it made me intentional about building quality relationships with the people that I've chosen to surround myself with no surface level stuff like quality relationship if I'm surrounding myself with you if I'm calling you my friend I'm choosing to love you I want to get to know you I want to know how you receive love I want to know how you receive appreciation I want to know how I can help you be the best version of you whether you're in my life forever or for a season how can I enhance your experience? How can I help you on the on your walk? On uh, how can I help you on as you discover your purpose in life? How can I help you on your journey to purpose? What can I do to enhance our time together? Enhance our experience? So those are all the type of things that I'm concerned with. For myself, um, personally, I'm not married, so I will not be participating. But um, like I, I tend to find that I, it's very easy for me to um, overlook men's feelings in relationships, even in friendships. Um, like, okay, so first of all, let me say this. 
what I've been doing, because I told y'all yesterday that, like, whew, my phone. I told y'all yesterday that um, part of part of um, the fears that I have for marriage, part of the fears that I have is just like, no, I didn't tell y'all the fears that I had. Okay, so I'll tell you that, that now. Part of the fears that I have for marriage is like getting lost in marriage, that I won't be able to fully walk in my call, that he'll one day wake up and like just decide that he doesn't love me anymore. Um, what else? That I did a marriage assessment. I created, oh my God, there's so much to talk about. Okay, so part of my being intentional about preparing for marriage, I created a marriage assessment. And the marriage assessment, I shared it with some friends and maybe I'll link it in the episode notes. I'll see. I shared it with some friends. A marriage assessment where it causes you to really dig deep inside yourself. And let me see if I can pull it up right now. Show you guys some of the questions that were um, in there. And if if you're with it, maybe you can just message me and I can send it to you. But basically, um, I created a marriage assessment that allows me to reflect and understand and uh, and see my issues with marriage, so I know how to approach. Um, so in this marriage assessment, some of the questions that I asked myself and that I reflected on are what are my deal breakers? What are my requirements? What are some fears that I currently have of marriage and where do they stem from? What are some toxic behaviors that I need to get rid of before marriage? Three things from my parents' marriage that I don't want to bring into my marriage and three things from my parents' marriage that I do want to bring. So that was the assessment and I did all of that and I was able to really face myself and it was pretty much a mirror allowing me to reflect and see, okay, where the issues come from and what I'm scared of and things like that. So for me, some of my fears of marriage, whatever, not from my fears of marriage are um, one that like he'll wake up and leave. <laughs> number two, that I'll be cheated on. And number three is basically losing myself, my pers- my purpose and my passion in his. So those are like my biggest, my three biggest fears for marriage. And those are where a lot of my issues stem from. And I find that in relationships and what I've learned is not only in relationships, but in friendships as well, that what I do is I try to avoid those three things so there's a reason why those three things happen. There's there, Obviously, that's a vulnerability spot for me. So I try to avoid avoid giving too much of myself sometimes so that or being too attached to any person, whether it's platonic or romantic, um, and try to avoid getting hurt in those three areas. Like obviously in a platonic relationship, you can't be cheated on. So it's not that but in another way I may it may manifest itself in another way so to say like um I don't know how would you be cheated on in a platonic relationship basically betrayed probably yeah betrayed um yeah that's actually betrayal like being cheated on is betrayal him getting up and leaving is betrayal and then um the last one getting lost in him is not really betrayal so obviously the root of the problem is betrayal not wanting to be betrayed and the second one is not wanting to be lost. I don't know what the word is for that right now. But what I've noticed is that in relationships, I do everything to make sure that I'm not betrayed and I'm not getting lost. But so much so much so that I focus so much on my feelings and what I want and what I need. And that's why I was saying yesterday that I'm kind of selfish. I focus so much on guarding my heart and guarding myself and protecting myself from the things that I'm afraid of that I fail to take into consideration the other person. Like, I was even thinking the other day I was talking um, to the marriage counselor that I spoke about and I was saying like, oh my God, he does this and he does that and he's this and he's that and he's that and this is why I don't, I'm not sure about this person. And um, she was like, okay, so clearly he doesn't meet all of your requirements. And there's a difference between deal breakers and requirements. That's why I put that in the um, the marriage assessment. A deal breaker is absolutely cannot. I will not deal, like this is a deal breaker. If he doesn't have these things, I'm not gonna be with him. Requirements is like, he may not have this right now, but he can work towards it or it's somewhere I can see him getting to. It's what I want him to have eventually. So I was basically saying, oh, this person doesn't meet my requirements, so 
this is why I don't like him. Because she was asking me about the different guys that are pursuing me. And she was asking me about um, my relationship. And my, yeah, the different guys that are, she was asking me about different guys that are pursuing me. And my relationship and things like that. And I was like just telling her why I don't want this person. I don't want this person. I was just telling her. And it was actually kind of mad because I was sitting there listing off like a whole bunch of guys. And why I can't trust them and I can't commit to being their wife basically and I was saying and she and we got to the root of it and we sort of narrowed it down and when we got to the root of it she was saying so basically this guy doesn't meet your requirements and I was like yeah like this is the one yeah and I was like yeah he doesn't do this he doesn't do this he doesn't do that and then she asked me so do you meet his requirements and I was quiet because I realized that I didn't even know what his requirements are to even know if I'm meeting them. Like I was so focused and so concerned with, so concerned with guarding myself and, and, and making sure that I'm good that I forgot to even put myself in his shoes to realize like, wait, do I even meet his requirements? Am I even doing what he wants? And things like that. So that's why I said I've learned that I'm selfish. And I feel like um, if you're selfish in one area, it's not like you're just selfish in one area. You're selfish in all the others. So lately what I've been doing is sort of evaluating my friendships. And I'm seeing ways in which I've actually been selfish as a friend as well. And if you're not a good friend, you probably won't be a good partner. Because marriage is literally just like a, a friendship. Like it's like... Um, you're my best friend and you're going to be my best friend forever and we're going to do life together and I'm going to make you the best version of you and you're going to make me the best version of me and things like that. So yeah, it's just been a lot of soul searching in this season. It's just been a lot. It just a lot of soul searching, a lot of, of recognition. All this to say, I lost my train of thought. I do that a lot. That's why it takes me so long sometimes to record episodes. But this is very laid back, so I don't have to do all that. But what was what else I talking about? Um, being good friends, relationship. I don't know. Anywho, so I would advise you like to actually dig deep and check yourself if you can, if you have the courage to even ask your friends like, what are some areas I need to improve on as a friend? What are some areas that I can do better on? How can I be a better friend? So. Oh, iron sharpens iron. Yes. How can I be a better friend to to you? Ask ask your friends those hard questions because really it's so easy to ignore and to bypass and to let all these things go. Like it's not it's not mandatory. You don't have to ask these type of questions, but that's comfort. Growth is always uncomfortable and growth acts causes you to 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 face yourself. Like those are the things that are are going to grow you when you're challenged, when you're challenged to 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 face yourself and when you're challenged to pick out the toxic habits that you have and when you're challenged to realize that hey, you're not perfect and there's areas where you fall short. And those things that this is what becoming whole is. This is what preparation is. This is what your single season should be used for. And I hate going back to always single season because life, life isn't about marriage. But this is these are the things that you need to do because relationships are a mirror. And these are the things that you need to know so that when you enter into a relationship and when it, it begins, you know yourself well enough to know that, hey, I actually do have a problem. So when someone's calling you out on it, it's not like, oh, let me get defensive. No, no, no. It's actually being mature enough to say like, you know, I have a problem in this area or this is a vulnerability spot for me or this is a fearful point for me and it's triggered by this, this and this. But I want to work through it and maybe your partner will help you through it or and, I, and I'm looking to God for help through it or whatever be the case. But all that to say, iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. And obviously I digress and I went off on a tangent. But how is it that these people can be around Jesus and not even like pick up anything? Literally not until he left and they, they, they received the Holy Spirit. That's when they started to do better. But before that, they were moving mad. Like they, they were so close to him. And I think I posted on my Instagram a while ago. It's, it's gone now though. I deleted it. Um, a motivation Monday about being in Jesus's proximity, but not in his presence. Sometimes you can be so close to Jesus, so close to the things of God, so close to Christian things 
but literally not in his presence. That is, you can be so close as in you're in church all the time. You might even be in leadership. You might even be a pastor. You're serving in church. You're so close. You're so close to the servant of the house. You're a pastor. You're so close to Christian people. You're so close to everything that has to do with Jesus and has to do with being a Christian. But you but you still lack the personal relationship or the personal revelation of him because you because you're so close to everything that has to do with him you're just riding on the revelation of everyone else but you fail to actually know him personally for yourself like and that's such a scary thing how you can literally be serving and doing all these things but still lack personal relationship or still lack personal revelation it's so common to find people riding on the revelation of their pastor, of their leader, of their mentor. And it's good to learn and be influenced by somebody. But like, you need to know God for yourself. Like you need to have a personal revelation of him. And that's why we go through things that we go through. And that's why our stories are what they are. Because he wants us to seek him and know the different sides, the different faces and the different facets of him. Like, I've said this before on a podcast, I'm pretty sure, but like, if you never get sick, you will never know him as Rafa. You will know him from somebody else's testimony, like, yes, God did it for them, and you'll clap, and you'll cheer, and you'll celebrate him, but not until it's actually affecting you, affecting your family, to see that someone is sick and needs healing, and then he comes through and he does it. You're like, dang, he is Rafa. If you never lack... If you never are living from paycheck to paycheck, scrapping, scrapping to make ends meet, don't even know where you're going to eat next. If you never have to go through that, you're not going to know him as a provider. You're not going to know him. You can hear from other people and write on their revelation and know that, yes, God is a provider. But until you've experienced him provide, you will never, it will never be deep enough for you. And so I just, it's just my prayer that, we will not be so close to the things of Jesus, but yet so far. We will not be like the disciples, literally walking with him, sleeping with him, following him, being so close to him each and every day, and still not being able to catch his spirit, and still not being able to do as he does, and still not being sharpened. How is it that you can literally be walking with a person for that long and still not know who he is? That's so crazy. Man, mercy. <sighs> Lord, help us. Um, I want to talk about, I want to talk about, um, how should I call it? Seasonal depression, maybe? Um, I saw a tweet about it, and a lot of people were engaging with the tweet, talking about how they relate to having seasonal seasonal depression and I think it's relevant to discuss because I feel like we've all been there I myself I I I found myself in a funk for like the past three days I just was feeling sad and I didn't understand I was just lay I would lay down and I would just be in my room in my bed under covers for the whole day and getting up to even like go to the gym or to even shower was such a like a task I was just finding myself feeling sad and I'm like yo why am I sad what the hell like me I've, I've trained myself that when I feel I don't I don't give my emotions any intelligence so when I feel something that I'm not supposed to feel I nice it I tell my body like no what's wrong with you get up I force myself to do stuff try to get to the root of it but I think that it's a real thing I think that I don't know if we can call it seasonal depression though I don't like to romanticize depression that's why I don't I don't like to use that word um but that's that's what I'm gonna use right now because I can't think of anything else seasonal seasonal depression um, it's a real thing. I think near the end of the year, well, first of all, any spiritual person knows that the last three months of the year is when Satan works the hardest. The enemy is fighting. He's trying to take you out. He doesn't want you to enter the new year. Um, and if he can't take you out physically, he'll try to take you out spiritually. He'll try to um, weaken your spirit. He'll try to make you weary. Whatever he can do to take you out, either physically or spiritually, the enemy is most active between October 
to December. I feel like October 31st is like their sound off, like sound the alarm. That Halloween stuff is their demonic day. It's like sound off, time to go. That's when they start all their, their nonsense and they begin moving mad. So you'll find in November and December, people are just sad. People are just isolated. People disappear. Nobody's coming to church. People, you just don't know. Like everybody just seems off at the end of the year. And you would think, you might think that, oh, it's cold. Maybe they didn't come because it's cold or this or that. But no, they're typically being attacked. That's that's when the demons start moving madder. I know that they move mad from January to September. But from October going, no, sound off. So, um, yeah, anybody that is spiritual, spiritual will know that that is when they do the most. But more so, I feel like it, it becomes a thing where you're nearing the end of the year and maybe you set goals at the beginning of the year, you had New Year's resolutions, and you're realizing, oh, that they didn't come to pass or you didn't, you didn't accomplish everything that you had hoped to accomplish in 2019 or whatever year it is. Or you didn't, you didn't, yeah, basically you didn't accomplish all the things that you had set out to accomplish or you're not as far as you thought you would be, or the year didn't pan out as you, you hoped it would. And now at the end of the year, you're faced with the realization that, oh, damn, I had all these goals. I had all these hopes and dreams. I had all these wishes. I, I made all these promises, all these declarations, and they haven't come to pass. And now you're feeling weary, and now you're, you're lazy, and now you're sad, and now you're discouraged to even make goals or resolutions for the upcoming year because what's to say that it won't be the same. And so you may find yourself feeling a little sad, feeling a little, um, uh, what's the word? Disoriented, that's not it. Um, not rejected, disconnected. Finding yourself feeling a little disconnected from like your, your normal routine. You may find yourself feeling weary, like just tired in your spirit, like we talked about yesterday. You find yourself just feeling tired but it's not, it's not an overtime thing. It's just something that sort of happened for the season due to the time period and that we're in. I feel like it's really, really common, especially with millennials. You know, I have such a heart for millennials because I just feel like we're the best people ever. Like, 100%. 100%. We're the best people ever. We grind like nobody else. We're all young entrepreneurs. We use our minds. We make money off the internet. Before our generation, that was unheard of. People sit at home and make money off the internet, off Instagram. So we, we, we go so hard and we do so many things and we have such creative ideas and we're such creative people and everything that that entails, it can be really discouraging to see other people seeming to move ahead and you're not, and you're going again with your same ideas and what be it. Or you've done so much in the year and you feel like you haven't accomplished nothing. Like you feel like you've battled and battled and battled with nothing to show for it. I just want to encourage you to shame the devil. The devil is a liar. We bind. He's a liar, a liar, a liar, a liar. Don't feel discouraged in whatever you're doing. Don't feel discouraged in whatever season you're in. Don't feel discouraged. I don't want to hear about no end of the year blues. I know we set goals. I know we make resolutions. I know we have plans and dreams and visions for every year. And sometimes they come true and sometimes they don't. Sometimes we knock everything off our list and sometimes we don't accomplish everything off our list. But guess what? Next year is another opportunity. Each day is an opportunity and each year is a new opportunity. And even if you didn't accomplish everything you set out to accomplish in 2019, you are a lot wiser, a lot stronger, a lot smarter than you were in 2018. Even if this year was a complete bust and you didn't accomplish anything, you emerged, you, you have been able to emerge a stronger, wiser person. There has been growth from the last year, from the last December to this December. If you've done nothing, you've grown. You've grown emotionally because you've been able to battle situations that were supposed to break you. 
So you've increased your you've increased your emotional capacity to carry on the weight of things. You've grown spiritually in some way, in some way. Even if it was a terrible year and you didn't pray all year, you didn't read your Bible all year, you didn't go to church all year. The fact that you're listening to a Christian millennial podcast means that the hunger is still there. So even though you haven't physically taken the steps, deep within your spirit, it's stirring. So you've grown. <laughs> you've grown. Even if if you didn't accomplish anything, you've grown intellectually. You have learned something. And you have learned that if you don't take the necessary steps, even so, even when you make all these plans and all these goals, if you don't take the necessary steps to accomplish them, or if you are unable to bear the weight of the storms of life, you won't accomplish them. And that is a lesson learned. So no matter how the year panned out, as long as you are here now in December 2019 you have learned something within that year time so you have grown in some way so you can't beat yourself up I don't want to hear about no end of the year blues next year is an opportunity for you to step into those goals again it's an opportunity for you to find an accountability partner someone that will keep you on track it's an opportunity for you to find a mentor and let me shamelessly plug that the sassy and save mentorship program is gonna start and i mean if you want me as a mentor i'm available so i will definitely help you get your goals together Next year is an opportunity to surround yourself to, 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 to surround yourself with positive things, to, to go to church, to serve in church, to do more for God, to seek God even more, to be careful of what you're intaking, to make sure that your spirit man is fed. Next year is another opportunity, so don't feel discouraged. Don't feel sad, don't feel disconnected, don't allow yourself to, don't allow the enemy to use his stupid devices to trick you into thinking that you failed or that you didn't accomplish anything this year. You accomplished something. It may not look the way that you had planned it, it may not be the way that you had panned it out to be, but definitely there is an accomplishment. So that is my little like motivation to you because I know we all need it. Sometimes you just feel like you're not doing it. And we are often our hardest critics, our toughest critics. We may feel like we're slacking and we're not doing anything, but literally someone somewhere is being blessed by our minimal. And one day when we gather up the courage or the discipline, in my case, to to give our maximum, more people will be blessed. But each day is a process and it's one day at a time. Mm-hmm.